let's say you're a U.S. citizen who is applying for a green card to legally bring your brother to America from Mexico. Mm -hmm. This month, we are processing applications that were filed on April 22nd, 1999. Anybody who touches this system knows that it's broken. We hear often, you know, he can just do it the right way. Why can't he do it the right way? Well, I'm here to tell you we've been trying to do it the right way for 10 years now. You know, if you just work with the system, you will benefit. And I think that's such a damaging um, narrative. That language um, puts more of the burden on the person rather than on the system itself. Advocates and attorneys have a lot of thoughts about what's broken in our immigration system, problems only exacerbated by President Trump's four years in office. But these days, they finally have some hope for the immigrant families they represent. Well, I'm telling them that finally, four years of their nightmare can hopefully be over. I'm Sarah Fetsky. This is St. Louis on the Air. And before we move on, I want to remind you that the biggest source of St. Louis Public Radio's funding comes from listeners like you. Because you value what you hear on St. Louis on the Air, donate today. Go to stlpr.org donate. That's stlpr.org donate. Just over a week, Joe Biden will be sworn in as president of the United States. That means big changes on many fronts, but perhaps none more so than immigration. President Trump's actions on immigration have infuriated many advocates and attorneys, and both see good reason to expect big changes with the new administration. And joining us today to talk about what might be possible and how is Adriano Udani. He's an associate professor of political science at the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Adriano, welcome. Hi there. Thank you for having me. And we're also joined today by Javad Kazali. He's an attorney with the St. Louis firm Kazali Wersch. Javad, welcome back. Hi. So, Javad, you have many clients in some stage of the immigration process. What are you telling them about the change that's about to take place in Washington? Well, I'm telling them that finally four years of their nightmare can hopefully be over. So those are those are some strong words. This has been a frustrating four years in, in the business of being an immigration attorney. Yeah, it sure has. I mean, I spent 10 years as a prosecutor for immigration and I was expecting that whenever there's an administration change between Democrats and Republicans to see some swing. But everybody that I know who's in my position has just been totally taken aback and unprepared for how extreme this um, last administration has been on immigration. Hmm. Adriano, you've said that our immigration system was already broken before President Trump and, and guys like Stephen Miller got into power. Um, but you also believe it has gotten much worse. How so? Well, I, I think we're, you're, you're right in the sense that, you know, over the long term, I mean, the system itself, the immigration system itself, was built on racist, sexist practices uh, when it formalized as an agency 
uh, early in the 1900s. And so uh, over time, it's just institutionalized very oppressive systems that make it much harder for people who are escaping violence and looking for a better life. Uh, but what I think is dis- is is different and um, uh, unique about the Trump administration is the sense that uh, more discretion is is empowered to the administration and its agents, uh, and then also to prosecute uh, anyone, regardless uh, of their uh, conditions or their circumstances, to prosecute them just because they crossed into uh, um, uh, American soil. So that was something that you weren't seeing before, uh, the attempts to deport people whose only crime was coming in without papers. Javad, is that true in your experience, that, that that's something new we've seen in these past four years? Well, first of all, I want to be clear that crossing the border and asking for asylum is not a crime. Mm-hmm. I think that we get caught up in that language a little bit too often. Specifically within our asylum regulations, it allows for people to cross the border anywhere, whether or not it's at inspection, and ask for asylum. Generally, back when I was a prosecutor, we would do an evaluation of each person to determine whether that person was a risk. If somebody was believed to be involved in some kind of violent activity, then there would be steps taken to keep them incarcerated. Now, as Adriano said, it's across the board, women, children, babies, all of them treated like Um, dangers to national security. And the positions that this government has taken are things that have never been done before. So tell me this. Let's talk specifically about people claiming asylum. Um, They're coming here from another country. They're saying, I, you know, I, I think there's a path for me to be able to be here. I'm trying to follow things the right way. Is that something that you expect to see change day one under a President Biden? He's not going to handle this in the same way as what you just described. Javad? Yeah, I absolutely do. Um, This whole idea that the people who are presenting themselves at the border are now being taken into these shanty towns and these slums in Mexico waiting seven to eight months before they can get their next hearings, that can go away fairly quickly. Whether, you know, On paper, you can get rid of that quickly. It may take a few months to do that from an organizational point of view. But we could go back to what President Obama did, what President either Bush did, what Clinton did, what Reagan did. All of those things could be done on day one. Okay, so this is not something where Congress would have to sign off on this. Uh, President Biden, President-elect Biden could just do this. Adriano, do you think he will? I, I, so I'm going to I'm going to separate, uh, I guess, my academic mind from uh, what I want. <laughs> uh, what what I want him to do is that it, exactly what Javad said. I think he can. Um, I'm optimistic that he will. Um, you know, I, I think Javad is right in the sense that a lot of things can change quickly. But I think I, what I want to also do is is sort of highlight the the overall sort of system that we're dealing with. I mean, if we think about it on a on a, on a very general systemic level, the process of asylum in and of itself is is very traumatic and abusive in the sense that we are asking people. This is even before the Trump administration. The whole process we are asking people to sort of retell and and quote unquote prove 
their their abuse and 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 prove their worth to gain some sort of admission and protection on U.S. soil. I mean, that in and itself is a very traumatic and harmful condition. Um, also. Uh, again, before the Trump administration, our immigration system, uh, status quo of, of seeking asylum is to funnel asylum seekers who are already escaping violence into uh, these camps and into a, a sort of de uh, a detention channel in the sense that, you know, they, they are, uh, are, are running away from, you know, violence, but they're also being herded into these uh, detention systems and, uh, and, and, and being monitored, uh, you know, 24-7. You know, and so that in itself is not necessarily be constrained to, you know, four walls, uh, but it is punishment and it, it is a form of detention that is, is, is concerning. That's the part that I feel like, you know, that's going to take a long time to, to really try to repudiate uh, and, and distance ourselves from that type of, of, of system. Okay. So that's something that uh, we're not going to see that change overnight for those people who are in that situation. Um, that, that has been the U.S. policy for a while, is what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, I remember back in the Obama years, there was a lot of talk about Obama being the deporter in chief. He did deport a lot of people during his term. Um, Adriano, do you think that Biden's approach is going to mirror how Obama dealt with that? Uh, you know, I I hope he doesn't. I mean, granted, I, I, I love Obama. I, you know, the Obama administration did a lot for this country. Uh, I think what Biden uh uh, and Kamala are 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 are, are faced with is uh, a contentious relationship with uh, Latinx as well as a Asian communities who had suffered from this sort of notion of the deporter in chief, and so um, you, you know prioritizing um, you know known criminals and and national security threats. Uh, you know, this prioritized deportation certainly is better than what we have. But I think the, the Biden administration has to revisit why uh, some of those uh, practices didn't necessarily work and did even more damage uh, by keeping families together. Granted, I'm glad that the, the court stepped in and, and said that you, you can't do that. But, uh, you know, as, as we've seen over time, that, that just made matters worse, too. Javad, we now know who um, who Biden's pick is to run the Department of Homeland Security. What do you make of this choice here? I think it's a great choice. Um, so I was originally hired back in the old INS Department of Justice days. So I was on the team that was the one of the original people who was at Homeland Security. Um, and what we've seen generationally through both the Obama administration and the Bush administration is that typically the head of the department where the immigration agencies are housed under have been first off politicals, um, both President Obama and um, President Bush, their first Homeland Security secretaries were former governors, but then they were people who replaced them that had backgrounds mostly in terrorism and counterterrorism. And immigration was a secondary thing that they needed to learn. The current um, 
I guess you would call him secretary elect or secretary designee, used to run U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. His background is in immigration. Hmm. This isn't going to be something that he's going to have to learn on day one. He was deep in that in the Obama administration, and I think we'll understand the intricacies of the law. So that sounds like a really positive development. What do you see? You mentioned that he could he could deal with these asylum policies right away. What are some things you'd like to see him tackle that would be more of long-term projects when it comes to immigration policy and, and procedures? So this is one of those things where it's hard to answer because you can talk about it on so many different levels. From a global view, you can look at specific um, decisions that have been made by the Trump administration and review those. As an example, there's a case called Matter of AB, where the um, Attorney General Sessions under the Trump administration made a decision that women who were beaten by their husbands in their home countries and can show and can prove that they went to the police and the police decided not to help them because the police see women as pieces of property belonging to their husbands, Mm -hmm. that Attorney General Sessions determined was not a basis for asylum. (laughs) You can't be protected for that. That can be reversed. But there's also minutiae. It is now utterly impossible for an attorney to call and talk to anybody in the government about a case. I have to call a number be put on hold for four to eight hours. My paralegals can't do it. When they answer, I've got one minute to answer the phone. If not, they hang up on me and I have to start it over. And the person I'm talking to can't help me. They give my number to a supervisor who will call me anytime between 7 a.m. and 9 p.m. within the next 72 hours. And if I don't answer the phone, I have to restart the process. That sounds it's insane. All- I mean, Javad, it's- that's that's no <laughs> way to run a, a department here. That I assume that's something new in the Trump administration. That That's not how it was handled before that? I mean, it's Kafka-esque. I mean, to say that that's no way to run an administration's... This was a specific decision that the Trump administration made to make it impossible for us to communicate. Mm -hmm. And they did it under the guise of better customer service. I was Mm -hmm. once giving a speech to 200 immigration attorneys with the American Immigration Lawyers Association. And while I was up on the podium, my phone went off with a number from D.C., and they all knew what I had to do. I had to stop the speech and talk to a, a customer service rep for five minutes. (laughs) This was done on purpose to break the system. There are hundreds of examples like this. I get my applications that go in are getting rejected, probably about a third of them, because the government is saying I'm missing a document. And that document is like page seven. It's right there. Um, it's, It's nuts. And so if you're the secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, it sounds like you would focus on getting some of those policies uh, changed to take them back to something that makes more sense. For sure. I mean, it's going to be, you know, it's much easier to knock down a house than it is to rebuild it. You know, it's Mm -hmm. going to take some time. And I think at the same time, though, we can focus on some of the big things that we've got um, that we can do. We're looking, I just read something today that says that there's already a draft immigration, comprehensive immigration bill that the Biden administration has. Um, Having 50 people who are Democrats in the Senate, we might finally get movement on this. 
My guests today are Javad Kazali. He's an attorney with Kazali Wersch, and Adriano Udani, an associate professor of political science at the University of Missouri-St. Louis. We're talking about how immigration policies and procedures could change with a new administration. We need to take a quick break. We'll be back shortly to continue this conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. And now back to our conversation. We're talking about immigration and how the nation's policies might change with the new presidential administration. Now, before the break, we were talking with a lawyer and a professor at the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Javad Kazali and Adriano Udani are both the sons of immigrants and both are experts in their field. But these policies aren't just academic for immigrants in the St. Louis area, and that includes Alex Garcia. He's a longtime resident of Poplar Bluff, a construction worker married to an American citizen. They have five kids together. And despite that, immigration authorities ordered him to report for deportation. That was three and a half years ago. Well, he chose not to obey, and instead he claimed sanctuary at Christ Church in Maplewood. Now, historically, immigration authorities have been reluctant to make a rests in churches. Alex Garcia decided the only way to remain with his family was to move in. He stayed inside that church for three and a half years. Our producer Evie Hemphill spoke to Alex Garcia last week, and he told her that the last years have been difficult. It's uh, three long years that I have been mentally maintained not very well. And three years depending on the others. And depending on the others, for me, it's not, it's really hard. And then enduring all this time because I have a lot to lose, which is my family. And Alex said he does feel some hope as he looks to the future. Here's what he said he wants people in the St. Louis region to know right now about his situation. This fight is not over yet, so we all need uh, the support. I just want to thank to, thanks to everybody. They support. Uh, we cannot do it without That's Alex Garcia. And Alex's wife, Carly Garcia, also shared what she's thinking about their family's situation. I'm really hopeful for the new administration that's coming in, although, you know, only time will tell. Um, you know, right now there are so many things that are preventing Alex from being able to, you know, to to become, you know, a legal citizen. Um, and it's going to take a lot of work, you know, from the from, you know, President-elect Joe Biden. It's going to take a lot of work, you know, from from Congress, from from the Senate. Um, I mean, it, it, it's, it's going to take a lot um, for for them to pay attention to us. Um, and right now we've actually um, we have a petition um, asking uh, President-elect Joe Biden um, to, you know, grant Alex parole in place um, and provide Alex a pathway to citizenship within the first hundred days. And that is Carly Garcia. Her husband, Alex Garcia, has lived in a Maplewood church for the last three years. He's trying to avoid deportation to Honduras. 
Javad, what could the Biden administration do about this? Does he have the power, without needing Congress to act, to give Alex Garcia the break he's looking for? So that's a multifaceted question. Absolutely, 100 percent, the administration could exercise prosecutorial discretion and stop the effort to remove Mr. Garcia from America. And in fact, that just recently happened. There's a similar case involving um, a family from Jamaica that had been in sanctuary in Philadelphia. And just within the last few weeks after the election, um, they've been told that their deportation case is ending. Really? Even this is happening while Trump is still in power? Yes, I can't imagine that his people did it. My guess is that these are people who are careers in the government who see the writing on the wall Mm -hmm. with a new administration coming in. Um, But the Thompson family just left a church in Philadelphia within the last few weeks. So uh, the article I'm looking at said December 20th. Hmm. So that absolutely can happen. The question as to then after he's out, what can be done next to make him a citizen. I don't know the intricacies of his case. That may require some changes to the law. Um, That I don't know. But making it so that he's not under threat of removal can be done with people significantly at lower levels of the government than the presidential level. Hmm. Adriano, there has been a lot of coverage of this case. It's it's been very high profile in this area for good reason, a man moving into a church. That that doesn't happen every day. Do you think this case is on the Biden administration's radar? Um, I, I, not this particular one, but I'm, I'm optimistic that people like Alex in the conditions that, uh, he or, or, or many people are in, um, is in, on their radar. Um, and, and I, I do hope that, you know, with the attention of, you know, abolishing systems of, you know, systemic oppression, uh, talking about now, like amidst, uh, an insurrection, right? Like, I think we're all wondering what kind of country we want to be. Um, And I think we should do the same thing. uh, And I think the Biden administration is doing the same thing about what kind of immigration system we want to have. Uh, It's caused so much damage and harm to so many. Um, Even in, in providing sanctuary, even providing asylum, I think we have to ask ourselves, you know, is this system even worth saving? Um, and, and if not, then we need to create something that treats people with, with more dignity and respect uh, and respects free movement in, in Mr. Garcia's uh, case, uh, as well as, as um, choosing to just control your own lives rather than having some administrative agent do it for you. I think there's a the really important part of this that it kind of um, it's going it ties into something Javad mentioned before the break, and that is the idea of Congress looking at something more systemic that would take on immigration reform in this country. I want to play a clip of Carly Garcia um, talking about something that that makes her very frustrated about her husband's situation. We hear often, you know, he can just do it the right way. Why can't he do it the right way? Well, I'm here to tell you, we've been trying to do it the right way for 10 years now. You know, Alex and I have been married going on, you know, almost 11 years this coming May, and we've been trying to do it legally, but we're being told that we can't. 
And that, again, is Carly Garcia. Her husband is trying um, to become a, a citizen of this country. Instead, he's been slated for deportation and is hiding out in a church. Javad, this whole idea of amnesty, it feels like this just became such a, a political buzzword maybe a decade ago. Maybe it was even before that, and I wasn't aware of it. But it seems like um, there's a whole group of people who say somebody like Alex Garcia should never get a chance to get in line for citizenship. Do you see Congress being able to do something that would change that thinking? Yes, I do. I mean, anybody who touches this system knows that it's broken. What I would ask your listeners to do right now is if they've got their computers around them, they can type in the word visa bulletin, and they can go and look at the backlogs here. Right now, if you want to do it legally, let's say, let's say you're a U.S. citizen who is applying for a green card to legally bring your brother to America from Mexico. Mm -hmm. This month, we are processing applications that were filed on April 22nd, 1999. That right? is, that, that's just yeah. jaw-dropping. Yeah, I mean, I think back then, you know, I thought about getting a perm and wearing overalls without a shirt <laughs> under them. You know, like that was like the fashion of the time. In, in 1999, um, Javad, I, I got to question I, that. But but anyway. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I was never very fashionable. But, but I mean, think about this, this idea that you have to um, think about something 22 years in advance to do it legally is insane. The system is totally broken. Um, and you look at the priorities here. Right now, the Trump administration had a bill that was moving forward that basically wanted to prioritize people who could basically pay for themselves to come forward mm -hmm. to America, mm -hmm. as opposed to keeping families together. Yeah, I, well, one, uh, I actually, you know, seeing Javad around town, I think he's trying to bring that fashion sense back in 2021, <laughs> oh. if I, if oh, I no. may, Javad. Uh, <laughs> but I, I also want to underline something that Carly said uh, about this notion of just playing nice and following the rules. We hear that so many times, disproportionately among conservative lawmakers of, you know, if you just work with the system, you will benefit. And I think that's such a damaging um, narrative that has um, really uh, castigated a lot of people in some really extraordinary circumstances when really that language um, puts more of the burden on the person rather than on the system itself. Um, you know, following the rules, just playing nice. I mean, these were lessons that uh, were told to my parents, uh, you know, and, and they were in no sort of uh, situation like uh, the Garcias are. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that's sort of the product of this broken system in the sense of, of thinking like you have to follow the rules so that maybe you'll get lucky one day uh, to be rewarded by it is, is just maddening. Yeah, I mean, maddening is, is a perfect word for it. Um, Javad, it feels like we came so close. That I, I'm now blanking on what year this was. But Congress was very close to, to having the number of votes it needed to get a bill through that would have changed some of this stuff. Do you think now that we have a Democratic majority coming in, it's going to be time to revisit that? Absolutely. Um, it, it actually happened twice. Um, once at the end of the Bush administration, and I was working on that bill at the Department of Homeland Security, and everything was basically agreed to back when people were sane and both parties actually talked to each other. And the only question was, we would 
everybody agreed that somebody like Alex should be legalized. The only question was, 15 years from now, can he become a citizen? That was the holdup. I do want to go back to one point that Adriano made, though, because I just want to tie some things together. This system is maddening, but it's also racist, all right? Right now, we know that the majority of the people, more than 50% of the people who are in the United States unlawfully are people who came on visas and overstayed their visas. They're not the people who are crossing the border. But the law allows those people because at an airport for 15 seconds or two minutes, somebody looked at their passport 10 years ago, that allows them to eventually, if they get married to a U.S. citizen, get a green card. But people who cross the border, who've been in this country for years, who've had dozens of background checks, who have kids in the United States, they're treated totally differently. They can't legalize within the United States. And that's intentional. I mean, to look at the fact that you're going to say that most of the people flying into this country are coming from Europe, coming from Asia. Most of the people who are crossing the border are your black and brown people. That needs to be fixed, and that can be fixed in a bill. And mm -hmm. it, I mean, frankly, that seems like that's going to be the hardest thing to fix of all. Adriano, do you feel like there's going to be the stomach in America to, to right that inequity in the next four years? Again, I, 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 it's not even a matter. I know I've, I've said a lot of wanting things. I think we need to do these things. They're pertinent for the future of our country. Um, you know, I, I think that in addressing, we've heard a lot about uh, systemic racism. We've heard a lot about abolishing and, and abolition practices. I, I think we have to really think about, as this new administration takes place, what does abolition mean? Uh, how do we actually implement those uh, practices on an everyday basis? And, and, and some of these aren't necessarily needing to, you know, be like long-term, uh, big-picture things. I mean, obviously, those are important. There are smaller things that we can do uh, that, that, uh, that contribute to uh, that, that particular agenda. And and the first thing is is just stop using this language, of you know that that is supported by white supremacist nations about this distinction between legal and e illegal people, um, and 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 also just following the rules. Those are sort of harmful narratives that we just need to distance ourselves from. Well, it's uh, it's exciting to think about all the big changes that could happen and this movement, uh, the, the moment that we could be in now where um, some of these maddening things that you guys have talked about today, maybe somebody is finally ready to tackle them. And I want to thank our guests for, for sharing their knowledge here. Adriano Udani, professor at the University of Missouri-St. Louis, thank you. Thank you, Sarah. And Javad Kazali of Kazali Warsh, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks again. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you.